This month's sponsor of the podcast, Spamming Zero, is customer with a K, K U S T O M E R.com. Go check customer out today. They're amazing. They are your top rated CRM for customer service. Finally, a CRM meant for customer service. They deliver fast, rich experiences to your customers with omni channel messaging, a unified customer view, and AI powered automations like their AI chat which comes with their products. Go check them out. They offer a free trial. They also have a slew of CX tools for customer experience professionals like yourself that you can use as well. <clears throat> and on top of that, they have brands like Glossier, Rappi, Skims, Ring, Hopper, and Untuck It all on their brand and using their products. They offer different types of solutions like self-service, artificial intelligence, of course, the CRM for customer service, and just customer service in general. So they actually can provide help desk features as well. Go check them out. They're amazing. And they're specifically meant for you. That's customer with a K, K-U-S-T-O-M-E-R.com. I'm James. And I'm Brian. And this is Spamming Zero. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, James Gilbert. Welcome to Spamming Zero once again, each and every week here. I am excited because we are joined by Rob. I should say his last name wrong, just to be funny, <laughs> uh, because we were talking about that. But his last name is Dwyer, not Dyer. That's right. And he has a, he has a fun little joke for us on his last name, or actually your full name. What should yeah. your full name be? Well, I think I just need to change my handle in everything to robbed, as in I stole from you, and then wire, and then people will get it correct every time. <laughs> yeah, we were joking because, you know, like I pronounced it correct the first time, and he's like, you know, there's a lot of people that actually think the W is silent, and I don't know anything in the English language where the W is silent when it is the second letter. Just so you know, <laughs> uh, I'm going to think about that. I'm going to let that work in the background and we'll see if I can't come <laughs> up with a silent W. So Rob, you're also the host of another podcast called Next in Q. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have been hosting that podcast for about a year and a half and it has been so enlightening. Uh, I've talked with so many amazing people, people that I found interesting on LinkedIn and brought on to the show. And it's an amazing way to learn from other people who know a lot more about things that you don't know about, maybe you want to know about, or just people who have wildly different experiences from your own. I completely agree. I always tell people, I think one of the strongest things you can do as an early leader is to start a podcast, even if all you did on the podcast was meet amazing people <laughs> in the space that you're trying to sell to and learn from them. <laughs> if that's the only value you got out of the podcast, it's worth every little bit that you put into it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's also a really good icebreaker to talk with people that maybe otherwise would be like, nah, I'm not interested. I don't want to talk to that guy. Yeah. And I reached out to you because I saw one of your episodes of, on a previous guest that we had on our show, Alex Mead, and he was on your show. And I looked at your background and I saw your Star Wars stuff. And I literally the first thing I said to Rob was, Rob, I don't care who you are. 
I don't care what background <laughs> you have, but you have this stuff that I want to talk about because I'm a Star Wars nerd galore here. See, so I, for the longest time, collected, you know, when Star Wars was a thing when we were younger, I have those models, but in the actual, like, non-Lego version the Kenner. of them. Yeah, the Kenner yeah. ones. You know, the ones that are actually worth a lot of money nowadays if you kept them packaged. Do you think I kept them packaged? Absolutely not. I played with those like hell. <laughs> That's why they're worth a lot now is because the people that didn't treat them like toys were few and far between. I mean, that's the same with, you know, yep. my Transformers, my GI Joe, like all of that stuff. Like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. I mean, if you had any idea that that stuff would actually be worth a ton of money in the future, you wouldn't have taken the lighter to it because it was a flamethrower on, on G.I. Joe. Like that's, that's what happens when, when you're playing. And I have kids now that are like the age of like, Oh, I, I just find it so fascinating how my younger boys have no interest in playing with action figures. And it blows my mind. I, I don't even understand how you can live a childhood without playing with action figures. And it like I just don't understand it. It's how like you would use your imagination and you know, like I would take my action figures with me to trips to like Lake Powell and everything. And if I couldn't find one of them, it was like a genuine meltdown. Because <laughs> you know you thought you were gonna lose your action figure. Yeah. Well, I mean, Whew. here's the thing, right? I, I don't know exactly how old you are, but I think we're pretty close in age. But you know, when we were growing up, the internet was not a thing. And it has fundamentally changed so much of our lives. But that includes, you know, how I think kids discover the world, how they play, you know, they've always got this thing in their pocket that they can access, uh, you know, the world's greatest knowledge, but instead they watch you know, stupid videos. Like that's, that's what we all do. Like the cat videos or whatever, like we could be learning, we could be studying on our own. And instead we watch, you know, stuff on TikTok and, and, um, do sometimes stupid things because of that. So that's my, I think the difference. My 14 year old daughter gets so upset with us because we will not allow her to have like any, social media platform whatsoever she gets so mad she's like why can't i have snapchat i was like well because people are gonna send you nudes yeah <laughs> <That's why. laughs> yeah that is absolutely what's gonna happen and she is better off without it for sure. yeah i'm just like come on now this doesn't take rocket science you know darn well while you're while you're not able to have those things anyway i digress let's talk about some of your background you know like <laughs> Brought, brought you on because you have a wealth of experience when it comes to customer experience and customer engagement. Um, and the primary listeners of this podcast are direct to consumer people that are in a very similar role. So tell them a little bit about your background, how you got into the space um, in general. Yeah, well, I got into the space because I was in the mortgage business in 2008. And uh, I found myself exiting that business after a decade. And I moved to St. Louis with my wife who uh, had a, a contract gig. She's in the, the software world and I needed just something, something that had insurance. And I ended up at a contact center, a large outsource provider. And I did not by 
any stretch of the imagination think that this was a great career move. That was not the plan. But well, why needed, not, though? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I think in general, contact centers have not had the best reputation. And I certainly didn't go into it thinking this is a great job. What I did find, however, was that I had an opportunity within the contact center for, for upward mobility and opportunities to do things that I don't know exist in a ton of other different spaces. And so it was very quick that I moved into training and I loved training. And then I ended up doing leadership development for uh, that company. And I traveled all over the United States and, and even outside of the United States. So I got to see parts of the country and the world that I wouldn't have otherwise seen, which is really a pretty cool thing and, and do it on the company dime. Um, and then I ended up coming to uh, a local family owned contact center about seven years ago called Customer Direct. This is an outsource provider here in St. Louis. We now have agents in about six states. Uh, they're 100% work from home. So we went work from home in, in 2018, not because of COVID like a lot of other contact centers did, but really because we wanted to expand our footprint. And that allowed us to do some things from, uh, you know, we're in the Midwest, like tornadoes roll through when you're all in one facility and a tornado is rolling through, like you got to shut all the phones down and that's not good for your partners. Um, and it, it also slows, you, you have to do things before you can all go to the basement or whatever. And that can be dangerous. So now we have agents all working from home, spread out uh, all over these different states. And so we've got some resiliency going on there. And then we have a software uh, department. Uh, so it goes by Happy2. We have a couple of different products that we offer. And they were software products that we were using in our contact center that we had heard from our partners that they wanted to use them themselves because sometimes we're doing, you know, rollover or after hours work for our partners. So they have their own contact center potentially. And then we're also supplying some services. And so, you know, we rolled out these commercial products. So we've got one that's agent facing to kind of help those agents be guided through the call. And then we it's have like a call scripting. One. Yeah, kind of yeah. Like call you scripting? call it scripting workflow. It's called Happy to Guide. And then we cool. have another product that we came out with, something that I honestly was looking for for a long time. So I oversee training and quality in, in our contact center, and I'm looking for something to help us on the quality space. I started looking about four years ago for you know speech analytics products. And quite honestly, they weren't there four years ago. I mean, they were there, but they were bad. The technology just wasn't ready, and um, we came really close to adopting some of the some of the vendors that are out there, but the cost was really difficult for us to to handle, especially as an outsourcer, because outsourcer the margins are typically a lot lower, and uh, our development team was like, "Hey, let's let's take a crack at this and see if we can do this." And uh, we actually had a partner that. It was a software-only partner. They weren't using our contact center. And we were able to solve some problems for them by recording their calls and doing the transcript. And we were like, 
hey, maybe this is a thing. Let's let's see if we can keep doing this and do it well. And so, yeah, today we've got Happy Two Vision. So, so I sit on this side of both the, the contact center where I'm dealing with agents and how we improve agent performance and really focused on how we can serve our partners better. I talk to new partners potentially to see if we're a good fit for them. But I'm also then dealing with the software side and dealing with other contact centers that are solving different problems. And so I see a lot of different pieces of the puzzle, insourced, outsourced, technology, people, all of that. And I feel like that's a a part that really allows me to kind of think about things in some ways that maybe some other people don't because they're typically one side or the other. Yeah. I mean, you have a wealth of knowledge when it comes to that. Like it's very different and I'd, I'd love to unpack it just a little bit. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions around it. Tell me a little bit about, you know, if you, if you had to tell other people that were running a contact center, when it comes to training, what's your one piece of advice that you would give people that maybe need help there? Yeah. One piece of advice is difficult when it comes to training, but I think the dirty secret about training is that agents, if you don't give them a chance to apply things right away and repetitively, they're going to forget it. And so you can spend all this time in training. When I, when I started in a contact center, right, as an agent, training was four weeks, four weeks before we ever hit the phones. That's a lot of time to spend learning systems, products, call flow, like the whole thing. And it's not for a month until you actually take your first call. And when you take that first call, like everything that went in over the last four weeks immediately goes like right out. Like you forget everything. And so what I would tell people is you you need training. You need the fundamentals. Absolutely. Don't skimp on it. But don't think that training is the solution to all of your problems because it's not. What agents need is that practice and the application of skills. And they need something where they can get to the knowledge they need for the things that don't come up all the time. Like if they haven't handled this situation in a month, they're probably not going to remember it if they either haven't done it before or they just don't do it very often. So they just need a way to find the information so that they can be confident and execute because training will not solve that. So that's my advice. Love it. So let's also, uh, I want to talk a little bit about everyone that I talk to whether they're in a customer experience role or not, there's not very many people that I talk to that are like, yeah, there, there is a like customer servicing in general is just great. You know? (laughs) So tell me your hot take. What is in your mind, the most broken part of customer service? Here's what I think. I think the problem is us as consumers. And I'm going to, I'm going to explain this a little bit. Taylor Swift coming at you. Yeah. (laughs) We have, for generations, we've wanted things faster and cheaper, and that applies to all kinds of things. And I'm as complicit in this as anyone else. Don't don't think that I'm I'm calling everybody else out. You can use all kinds of retail examples. 
Walmart, Amazon. These companies are focused on delivering to you faster and cheaper. And cheaper is the key word. And so how do I do things cheaper? I've got to find places to cut my overhead, my costs. And one of those places is in the customer service side of things. Like, let me just not allow you to talk to customer service or let me try to deflect as much as I can. And there's some deflection can be really good and it can work really well. The problem is it often doesn't work really well. And we've just deflected because we don't want to pay more people to answer the phone. And then the people who are answering the phones are just overwhelmed because that's like there is no break in between. They're just over, over, over answering that phone and to customers that are upset because it's taken them you know, seven different layers to get to someone finally. And when they do get there, they're, they're already hot. So what I would say is, is there an easy fix? No, there are all kinds of things that we can do to move things incrementally. But for you as a consumer, take a look at the choices that you're making about where you're buying things, who your service providers are, the bigger they are and the more cost savings they offer. Just know that there's a trade-off with that. I love that. You dove a little bit into deflections, which actually sparked another question that I have for you. Give me your hot take right now on AI. Where does it fit in the picture? You know, AI is this broad term, right? It, it, it is. So much. It's super hot, right? Uh, certainly chat GPT is the buzzword. Here's my my overall thing with AI. AI can absolutely help us. It can help us in a lot of ways. It can automate some really repetitive things. It can help agents, human people doing their job. So if you're in the contact center, there are lots of different ways that AI can augment or provide support, whether that's um, surfacing information to supervisors so that they have better ideas about what's happening trend-wise with customers, what's happening agent-wise, how they can coach and develop. Uh, There are some real-time options out there that are surfacing things directly to agents in the middle of a contact. That's a really great use case for augmentation. I think some of the, the tools that are doing natural language processing, listening and responding so that I don't talk to an agent. They're getting better. They really are. But they still sometimes have flaws. And some people are relying on really old technology that just doesn't work very well. And you just have to be smart about your strategy and what you're going to implement. You can go out and grab all the AI tools that you want. It's not going to fix all of your problems. But if you do it strategically, you really spend time evaluating what's out there, what fits in your budget, what aligns with your business goals, what really will make your customer experience a little bit better. It doesn't have to be a ton better, like just a little bit better. It's the incrementals. And you pick those things and you implement them well, then AI can do some really great things. But it's not the end all be all. I couldn't agree more with you. And I'll tell you the one the one thing that really drives me up the wall lately is when people at organizations think that they can 
like build these models themselves. It's like hard. It's wild to me that people are trying to like you're hiring engineers and you're hiring like people that have to code all this stuff. And like some options are literally right in front of you to fast track that. And I, I think that that's a silly model because you're going to be spending way more money doing the, the homegrown build than you would typically with like a vendor. And you know, like, of course, like we're, we're, I'm a little biased here at flip because we obviously do voice AI, but it, it is, it is a, a general premise right now. I think in just the market in general, with many people that we talk to is there is a, there's a great fear of AI. There's a great fear mm-hmm. of automation. And as a CMO, I think that we're not talking plainly enough of what the fear is and the fear that I feel like I'm interpreting by through a lot of the conversations that I've had. It's not the fear of automation and it's not the fear of even AI being there instead of a human. It's the fear of what we've all been dealing with forever and that's that the experience has been so bad and it hasn't gotten good enough to change our mind that it can actually have a positive impact yeah. rather than a negative. And I talk a lot about this internally here at Flip. And that's that truthfully, AI actually should amplify your brand, not create a negative experience. AI in theory should amplify your agents as you put it, right? It should be an amplification and if you look at how even chat GBT is being implemented today, everybody that I talk to, and I've, I've even done my own little like session for it yeah. on this. Right. And, uh, the number one thing that I hear and see all over the place is, oh, well, chat GBT is not very good. It doesn't give good responses. Of course it doesn't. It's not a human. You have to give it the right type of prompts as a human being. You have to think critically, and then you have to give it the critical thinking that you've given it so that it can actually amplify what you've done, yeah. right? And there are areas I think that brands can think about AI just in general when it comes to the contact center and when it comes to just general customer service and empowering it and making it better. And sure, some of those things are the more simple tasks, you know, like the Wismo calls and the like what's the cancellation policy. And like, of course, human beings should not be the ones handling those things because those are the same thing every time. But I also think that there's a moment that you can have with somebody immediately when they call that's different. So let's say Rob calls me. He's ordered from Flip a million times. Don't you think that AI should be able, in theory, to analyze those millions of orders much faster than a human being looking through the help desk and looking through all the history? Yes. The answer is yes. There's no question about that. Now, the next question is, is can they make it actionable? Can that AI then turn that moment into a positive brand experience? Hey, Rob, I've noticed the last five times that you've ordered, you've ordered this. Did you know we're coming out with a new product line? And you, because you're loyal, you get first dibs at it. Then it changes the conversation. And I think we see this every single day with things that we don't translate as the customer service world. Alexa. Siri, the moments in our car where we're now not texting, but we're using voice to text our loved ones to keep us alive. Yeah. Right. We turn our lights on. We turn our ovens on. Like all this stuff is happening with voice. We now do voice orders through Amazon and through Alexa. So it is making its way into the world, I think, faster than it ever has before. But how it's consumed our lives especially when it comes to voice is over the last, I would say decade has just 
grown exponentially. And I think what we're going to see over the next five years, especially in customer service, and especially if like us at Flip have anything to say about it, we are going to change people's minds about that particular experience. Because what we want is we want people to crave getting on the phone again. And none of us do. Well, I will tell you, I just had an experience today. So let me just tell you about today. Uh, So I'm getting ready to move. I just bought a house. Very excited. Yeah. I am moving back to the the town that I grew up in. And it's been a, I haven't lived there since, since I got out of high school. My wife and I bought a, a house back there. And so today I was changing addresses with like all the, the credit cards, all the places that might deliver to me, like everywhere I can think where I've got my address saved, I'm changing. And uh, one of those places that I will not name, I needed to change my address and I'm trying to do it online, right? I'm trying to self-serve and it fails. It doesn't tell me why it fails. The chat bot is worthless, worthless. And so I call in and it is, you know, a, a next gen IVR that wants you to tell like first thing it does is say, oh, I uh, know who you are, which is great. It recognizes the phone number. It knows who I am. Good start. Do you want to make a payment? No, I don't. Okay. And then it says, I'll give you all this information. And I'm like, but I don't want this information. I just want to change my address. And it's not listening at this point. And it's telling me what my balance is and how much I can charge and blah, 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 blah. The agent will have the same information. I'm like, this isn't what I need. So one of the things that voice I think should always do is be listening for intent before it just starts throwing stuff at you, because that's an experience that I did not like. And I'll be honest, I had to go through this three times because I have three separate accounts. Those of you that are familiar, like it's it's my PayPal, it's my Google charge account, and it's my Amazon charge account. They're all manned in the back end by the same company, but I got to do this three times because I can't do it online. And I have the same bad experience three times. It's awful, but it could have been so much better if it just would have said, Hey, are you trying to make a payment? No. And then said, well, what can I help you with? That's so that I can right say, there. I need to change my address and I can say, great, I can take care of that for you. Done. That's the key. See, that's what I mean. Like your example is a perfect example because it's still so bad. <laughs> it is. It's still so bad, you know, and like it makes it fun for vendors like us because like we know that the- <laughs> This is such a massive problem. And what we can solve is right in front of us, you know, mm-hmm. and some of it's actually pretty easy to do uh, with with products like ours. So, you know, like we're excited about that. I want to shift gears for just a second, Rob. All one right, of the things, let's do it. One of the things that uh, engaged us to talk was, uh, you know, that the Alex Mead post that mm-hmm. you did. Um, yeah. And funny enough. I've not had the chance to actually listen to that episode. I, I read the post, right? And I saw to your background. To be fair, it just came out today. So I forgive you for not having had a chance. To okay. Listen. Thank you. That makes me feel a little bit better. 
as I was looking at your background in the Star Wars stuff, I, I was also like looking at what you ask your guests on your podcast. Mm-hmm. If you're not familiar with this, Rob asks some very unique questions for his guests. And Alex responded about you two. So I, I want to ask you the same question you ask your guests, because I bet you that it's pretty rare on your own show that you actually get to answer the question. Yeah. Okay. So, ask away. So here we are. I want to ask you, if you were a rock star, what rock star would you be? If I was a rock star, that is a, it's actually a really great question. I will tell you that uh, I am definitely a a big fan of of music, lots of music. Uh, I am currently enthralled. My favorite podcast is a podcast called A History of Rock and Roll and 500 Songs. If you haven't heard of it, I encourage everyone to go check it out. It's amazeballs. It really is. Andrew Hickey out of the UK does this and he's devoting like 10 years of his life to it. It's amazing. But if I were a rock star, I would want to be a singer. That was actually my dream. So uh, two of my best friends growing up actually are professional musicians. We started a band. My best friend, Travis, plays bass. Uh, My other buddy, Doc, plays guitar. I was going to be the singer, and I was not good. (laughs) We did one gig, and uh, they had to get a friend of ours to break it to me that I was no longer in the band because it just, it, it wasn't happening. My persona, just a couple of years after that, You wouldn't know it by looking at me today, Uh, but I used to have friends who had introduced me to their friends as their buddy, Kurt Cobain, because I had the long blonde hair, (laughs) just kind of dirty, scruffy going on here. So I'm going to go with Kurt Cobain. Also, by the way, the only NFT that I own, I won on Twitter, and it's an NFT of uh, a show that they did right before their first album, well, technically second album before Nevermind broke really big. Uh, So yeah, I'm going to go with Kurt Cobain. Love it. All right. Now I want you to answer the same question, but I want you to give me recent music. Okay. How recent? I mean, I I, like, let's say in the last five years. Okay. This is a harder one. Usually last five years. So putting out music within the last five years. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. What's your go-to, you know, like what station are you listening to? I mean, man, um, I, I listen to my YouTube music. It's all custom, you know, probably my favorite artist that is recent is, uh, Arlo McKinley. Uh, he's a, he's country. I would call him country, but I would call him like outlaw country or something. Not, uh, because I'm not a huge, like hot country fan. That's not my thing. <laughs> Um, but Arlo McKinley actually saw him, um, on his last tour, he came through St. Louis. It was really exciting to go see him. It was a nice small venue. It was very cool. And really just some of the most soulful music you will ever hear. So he's got a couple of, uh, recent albums out. Go check them out. Love it. All right. So we're getting pretty close to time and I want to ask you just a couple more questions real fast. Shoot. So the next question I like to ask just about every guest that comes on and that's tell me about an, a, a, like an experience that you've had with a brand that 
like left you with some great memories. Like you just like, I will never forget this experience. This has been a, it's been a long time. You can make all the fun of Olive Garden as an Italian joint as you want. And I live in St. Louis, which is big on Italian, but they've got a couple of things going for them. Their breadsticks and those Andes mints that they give you after. So uh, my wife and I, when my kids were still relatively young, uh, we went out to Olive Garden for, for dinner. We had just this wonderful server. She was super nice. She remembered our names. She engaged in conversation with the kids, not in a fake way, but really just kind of engaged with them. And at the end of the meal, you know, there's four of us. And, and by all rights, she should bring four Andy's mints to our table. We got at least eight. Now, I don't know what those per piece cost Olive Garden, but it certainly doesn't cost a lot. It's a small thing for Olive Garden, but she just threw in some extra at the end of the meal. And that was particularly memorable for my kids because they were really excited. Like, it's not just one mint, like you get two. That's a big deal when you're a kid. It's like double dessert. And I think those little extras that you can do that they just take a little bit of thought, but not a lot of money. It can make a really big impact on on your customers and, and how they perceive you going forward. Yeah, I love it. The little things really make a difference. They really do. Rob, if you had to be put in a Star Wars movie, what would be your Star oh, Wars? Would, would you pick would you pick good? Or evil? Would you be a Sith Lord okay. or a Jedi? So everyone, for some reason, associates me with the Jedi. I think it's, I think it's the facial Obi-Wan hair. Obi Wan Kenobi, a little yeah, bit yeah, something like that. So I, I think I would definitely be on on the light side. I'd have to go that way, even though some of my favorite characters are on the dark side. And if I had to pick a movie to be in. I think I would have to, oh man, that's tough. Uh, the galaxy that they were in is a really tough place. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Like when you think about it, you're like, well, this is actually really messed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of really messed up stuff going in. So if I'm going in as a Jedi, there are a lot of really challenging places to be in. So I think I'm going to start at the beginning before everything goes to hell. I'm going to say, put me in episode one before things really, really go bad. Okay. So you're, you're Qui-Gon's like, sure. You're the apprentice of Qui-Gon. Yeah. And I'll probably get mowed down by uh, <laughs> one of my clone commanders or Darth Maul's coming for you. Look out. Yeah. I mean, it's not <laughs> going to be a pretty ending. That's for sure. Maybe I'll escape. Probably not. Probably not the best Jedi. So, you know. You know, I, 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 you, you knew when I told you that we were, we were going to have you on and I talked about Star Wars that we were going to be talking about Star Wars on this show, right? I, I had a feel. I didn't see that question coming, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like to keep it, uh, keep my guests on their toes a little bit. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm feeling it. <laughs> All right, so let's let's end with this final question. Rob, as we primary listeners of this podcast are direct to consumer professionals that 
um, are working at a direct to consumer brand. And it's a very different environment than like your B2B environment. What piece of advice would you give them as we end the show on how they can tackle better customer service moving forward? I mean, I think the most impactful thing that you can do is really understand where your customers' pain points are. And if you haven't listened to actual customer interactions in a hot minute, like do that. Understand why people call, why why they get upset or what are the things that are requiring them to call? Like if they're not calling just to order something from you, like that's the best call, like call, please order. Let's sell you stuff. Every call outside of that is probably a call that you want to understand why this is happening. If they can't figure out why their package hasn't arrived, there's something you can do about that. If uh, they don't understand why they were charged a certain amount, because that didn't meet their expectations, there's probably something you can do about that. Like just understand where these pain points are and then try to identify what are the things that you can do to ease that or eliminate that pain. Those are the kinds of things that make customers come back. People think it's like the chewy experience. It's the wow experience. It's not. It's you weren't a pain in my ass. And so I'm okay with you and I will come back again as long as I feel like your products were, were good and met my expectations. So you have a plethora of data that you typically like are consuming all the time as a contact center agent and as somebody who runs contact centers, right? So what's your advice like as they gather these insights, how do they share that with a broader team so that they can make those strategic decisions at the leadership level? Yeah, I mean, certainly if you don't have a tool that is gathering those insights, then then you need one and feel free to call me. I'll show you what we can do, but uh, shameless plug there. But like you just need to be able to, number one, show the trends, right? How many phone calls or emails or chats or whatever is this calling or maybe even tweets, whatever the case may be. And then how much time are we spending on this? Like, what is the actual cost of this particular issue? And then what's the cost of fixing it? Because the cost of fixing it may be relatively small. And if you can all of a sudden eliminate all of these inquiries, then that's literally bottom line savings. Like, that's what you need to do is to put it into dollars and cents to the people that are making decisions. And if you can do that and say, this is going to either make us or save us X amount of dollars every month, people will respond to that. Love it. You basically just validated um, like our savings calculator. <laughs> so thanks for doing that, Rob. <laughs> Rob, you've been an absolute pleasure to have on the show today. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate it, James. Thanks for having me on. It was great. If you have not yet subscribed to the podcast, please do so. We're on YouTube, we're on IMDb, we're on any any podcast platform that you can find. Go on your mobile device, go hit that star rating, subscribe. Every week you're going to get an awesome guest like Rob or many others that we've had in the past, like Eddie, who's a CMO of, of, of uh, Magnolia Bakery. We are going to have a whole lineup of guests coming up here that are going to be amazing people to talk to. And the hope is, I'm hoping Liquid Death is out there listening to this because I've been trying to get them on our show for a while now. And I, I hit them up all the time 
So if you know somebody at Liquid Death, tell them that James is trying to get them on the show because we all want to hear from them. So there's my plug for Liquid Death. I'm going to get them on here. You watch in the next four to five months. They're going to be on the show. We're going to have many others. Thank you again.